Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Woman in Tech. How are you doing? The sun is shining. The weather is warming up, at least in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. Getting a little bit more pleasant around here, a little bit less hail and wind. It's been a very wintry winter. It's been a very windy winter, in fact. But today we're talking about enjoying your journey as a leader, climbing that leadership ladder. I have an extraordinary coach with me today, Tracy Crosley, who specializes in helping women enjoy the journey that we're on, which I think is something that is seriously underrated and not talked about enough. I really want this for all of you. I don't want you to just always be excited about the end goal. I want you to be excited for Monday mornings. I want you to be excited about today. So that's what I'm going to be digging in with with Tracy. Tracy Crossley is this innovator in the space of coaching, mentoring, and counseling. She's perfected a method in her mind that is providing a real change to the individual, to personally for them and to their organization, which I just love hearing. She mixes psychology, ontological coaching, emotional intelligence, and intuitive abilities to create this unique experience for the women she coaches and the men as well. <laughs> and she believes it's a game changer for the women that she works with. Tracy is passionate about helping people reinvent their lives and lead their life strategically, with purpose, with direction, from the inside outwards. So without further ado, let's get Tracy onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Tracy. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm totally excited to start talking about leadership and mindset. Oh, my favorite all-time topics, as you know, because we've been chatting before. Well, let's start off with what I love to ask everybody, which is share a little bit about your career journey, the highlights and lowlights, and why you're now passionate about helping women in their leadership journeys. Well, those are uh, wonderful, uh, I would say, starters to what I have been through. So I have been an entrepreneur since I was a kid, and That's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. And what I mean by that is I have, you know, I sold Avon door to door as a teenager. I also was working at that time at a store. I worked at McDonald's. I did all these things, right, before I was even of working age because I always had this interest in um, not necessarily was it about making money. It was more about I just felt like that's what I needed to do. And so that was sort of the background. Even when I was in corporate, I worked in corporate management. And I it took me until 2008 to get a clue. And what I mean by that is I worked through nine different jobs in a 10-year period of time. And wow. most of the jobs were companies that folded. And so it wasn't necessarily, oh, Tracy, we don't need you anymore. But there were a couple where that happened. And they were, I would call them like the lower, like, you know, the the parts of my journey where I learned a lot. Like one of the things that I had gone through was I had worked in an animation festival. It was a professional animation festival for the industry. 
And I was way more responsible. Um, I felt like it was mine almost. And then we came to a parting of the ways because there was just so much political crap that was going on that there was no way, you know, at that age that I think I was built to see it through. And I went into a depression after that. I, I felt like I had lost my best friend. And I learned at that point that I couldn't care more about somebody else's business than I would care about my own. Um, that didn't stop my corporate journey, by the way, but that was one of the times. And in 2008, I got laid off and I was reading books. I had a dysfunctional relationship at the time and I came across this book and then I ended up meeting the author and ended up doing sales and marketing for them. And I had been laid off, so I, I didn't have anything. And I ended up losing everything at this point. I ended up losing where I lived. I ended up losing, I, I kept my car. <laughs> that was That was about it. But Lost everything, ended up becoming a coach, not because I wanted to be, but they had a coaching program. Uh, this author had a coaching program and they wanted to train me for free. And I thought at first, I can't, I don't want to be a coach. How am I going to make money as a coach? Who's going to make money mm -hmm. as a coach, right? And um, I, I ended up taking the training and they were like, you're a natural coach. That still didn't have meaning to me because I still had to go out there and find clients. And, you know, that took a few years. I, I mean, I got clients right away, but when you're charging $40 an hour, right, it, <laughs> it's kind of hard to live off 10 clients a week at $40 an hour. <laughs> so, you know, those were some of the, the lowlights. And I continued through, I worked through my own stuff at the same time. And that sort of led my coaching path as well, uh, because I came across insecure attachment or attachment theory. And that really started to change things for me. And I saw how it affects us both in our personal lives and in our professional lives. And, you know, there's, I mean, I would say the highlights were watching my business flourish. Uh, and, you know, in 2015, I guess it was 2015, um, I started making six figures uh, on a permanent basis and then went up from there, which is great. But I still had, you know, challenges with team and trying to find the right people, um, you know, trying to change my trajectory. I went from just working with people in relationships to working with female leaders. And you asked about that. And, you know, when it comes to female leaders, a couple of things. One is I have been watching, you know, the political landscape in the United States. Mm. And I mean, I'm not in politics and it's not political what I'm going to say, but I realized how women are so fragmented from each other. You know, we don't have a common cause. We don't have a commonality most of the time, even though we can say, oh, we're all getting along. But the truth is, as female leaders, we have a lot of challenges. We have bias that is societal. And then, of course, we take that in and we use it against ourselves. You know, we have a lot of judgment. We have competition. We have comparison. And these sort of things really eat away at our ability to be unlimited as a leader and also to connect with other women, women leaders and women in general. And so we're just sort of all separated in it. Not that it, it makes me very passionate to want to help women to get away from the self-doubt, to get away from all of the things that do hold us back, including the societal bias that we have in our heads and getting rid of that, because that really does limit us as leaders. 
Oh, 100%. And it, it kind of, it breaks my heart with how much we get limited by our experiences in that way and not having that community, not having that commonality really limits our trajectory. It shouldn't be, but it is. Um, Let me circle back to attachment theory. You mentioned that in passing. For the audience, can you explain what attachment theory is and its relationship to the work you now do? Sure. So attachment theory was basically devised by a psychologist named John Bowlby. And there have been other people that have taken it up since then, but he originally, his whole, I would say, focus on it was when you're a baby, you come into this world, you have innate needs. And sometimes those needs are met, sometimes they're not met, or sometimes they're inconsistently met, right? And it sets the basis for insecurities, right? Is mom going to answer my crying? You know, is mom rejecting me and she's sitting right next to me? Is, you know, mom emotionally available to me? So basically, as a child, you learn, oh, I'm not important or am important, right? Depending on how you are treated by your initial caregivers. And so it's a whole thing because, you know, they, they studied primates, they studied, um, you know, small children. Mary Ainsworth came along, she was an assistant to him, and then she did her own studies on attachment theory. And, you know, it was just very interesting. She did something called the strange experiment. And so it showed, attached, the strange experiment basically showed how a child was attached to its parent and also with the stranger in the room. And so they did all of these different iterations and they basically found that children act in different ways. We can be anxious, we can be avoidant, we can be ambivalent. And we learn these things as children and we carry them through because you don't realize you're learning it, right? We're unconsciously mm. learning things as children all the time. We're not questioning it because our intelligence or the ability, I say, to discern, to be logical, I think it comes in between five and seven years old. So you go forward, you bring this to adulthood, and I'll give you an example. Let's say that you had a parent who did not seem to give you any kind of attention unless you were overachieving. You would getting straight A's or, you know, maybe you were great at sports, you were on the debate team or whatever. And that gave you a feeling of, oh, I'm getting attention. I'm feeling important. I'm feeling valuable. Well, we bring that into adulthood to our relationships with other people and in the workplace. You think about people that are overachieving, you know, workaholics. And I, hi, I'm raising my hand. I've been there. So it really affects us, not just in relational dynamics, but in how we treat ourselves and what we will put ourselves through, let's say, to be successful. Oh, yes, 100%. I, and I think that's where I want to like zone in on, because what I want the discussion I want to have today is about what we need to be doing differently in order to make our climbing of that leadership ladder that little bit less difficult. And that's why when we first met, I was like, okay, we need you on the show because this behavior that we learn that causes us to become overachievers, I think that is a huge blocker, actually. You'd think overachieving helps us climb the, the ladder, but you and I know differently. <laughs> so I, I really want to dig into this. Um, I know that part of this is also about intrinsic motivation. And I, I'm wondering if we should dive into that first, maybe explain what intrinsic motivation is, why it's important, and then circle around to how all this comes together as why it holds us up, and then what we can do moving forward. Sure. So intrinsic motivation, as far, I mean, there's different theories. I like the self-determination theory. 
And the self-determination theory is about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And so intrinsic motivation is what you feel naturally compelled to do, okay? And that means if you get reward or not. It means the reward is in the doing. It means it brings you joy. It brings you a sense of peace. You know, whatever that is for you, uh, gives you a sense of well-being, which is the opposite of extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is all about getting the reward, getting the validation, getting a paycheck, whatever, you know, money. And nothing wrong with money. But when it comes from extrinsic motivation, you will ride the waves of what is outside of you rather than having the security inside of you to follow your own intrinsic motivation. Because, you know, our society, again, has a lot of influence on this. You know, when there's a got to drive hard, you got to push hard, but you really don't. You just have to be fully engaged in what it is you're doing. Yeah, 100%. Let's bring this back to how this inhibits our trajectory. Because we all know, well, you and I both know that being an overachiever actually holds us up. Why is that true? And how does this all link together? Because when you're an overachiever, it comes from fear. So not to, you know, not to get into love or fear, but basically there is two places you come from, either love or fear. Love means you trust yourself. Love means you're not suffering from self-doubt. Fear means you're doing things because you're afraid you're going to lose. You know, the ultimate loss obviously is of life, but everything before that, whether it's loss of money, loss of identity, loss of respect, you know, these things that we find important. And when you're driven to try to hold on to those things, all you're doing, it's almost like you're on a hamster wheel. You're just going around mm. in circles, right? So when you can relax your grip on what you are afraid of losing and you stop holding on to that end result of I got to hold on, I got to hold on. And instead you're creating, because see, when you come from love and I'm, you know, again, not trying to make this into love, love, like a love relationship. I'm talking about the opposite of fear. When you come from that place, you have not just trust of yourself, but trust that everything will work out. And that doesn't mean you're sitting on the couch doing nothing. It means mm. that you can be so creative in what you are doing, and not in a frenetic way, or not in a workaholic way, but in a way that you feel it inside of you, and you know, you know your purpose, you know what you're doing, and that way you're in what I like to call the flow. You know, the flow where you lose that sense of yes. time, right? Yeah, that is such an important piece to get here, is that, that so I call it the flow zone or the genius zone, where it just oozes out of you, if you don't experience that, then you aren't doing your best work. Sorry to interrupt there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. I totally agree with you 100%. I mean, this brings me beautifully to like where I really want to go on this because you mentioned there that is that having that trust, that trust in yourself and your abilities in the process, in what's happening, what's going, that things will happen, things will work out. And also, I think trust that even if this doesn't work out, if something goes wrong, that you will be okay. I think a lot of our fear comes from, well, if this does go wrong, I don't know what I will be. I don't know how I will cope. I don't know what will happen because we actually have to trust that we will, we will figure it out. And when we do that, as you mentioned, the creativity just bubbles up, which is why time and time again, I see that when we let go of this overachiever, hyper busy, can't say no to anything, people suddenly start operating at this extraordinary level. And that's how you get to those next levels in Egypt. Which brings me to the glass ceiling. I think something that is very uncomfortable for us to talk about is women. 
is that the glass ceiling, and this is this is gonna it's gonna poke a few people here. The glass ceiling is very real, but it isn't just to do with the fact that there's unconscious bias against women. I think some of it is to do with our conditioning as women and therefore the way we behave, which I know is going to upset a large number of people. But would you agree with that, Tracy? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I'm upsetting people all the time because <laughs> frankly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, but you have to get out of your comfort zone and the way you see yourself. Otherwise, you don't have any control over yourself. In other words, either your circumstances are going to control you or you're going to control you. And what I mean by that is allowing your genius, allowing yourself to work past whatever obstacles you have. Because those biases, like um, as an example, you have descriptive bias, which means you're a woman, you belong to a group of women. You have prescriptive bias, which means all the ways that you're supposed to behave as a woman. That gets in here, right? And so for the, you know, for women that let's say are very assertive, you could be doing something and in your mind you're going, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Nobody's gonna like you. Everybody's gonna be mad at you. What if you fail and they don't like your choice and then they're gonna blame you? Like you have this ongoing inner critic who does not shut up. So that is from the bias that you've taken and interjected into your mind. And that's what we do, along with our conditioning from when we were children. Well, one of the things I also see is when women do break through that glass ceiling, they're determined, they're stubborn, and I applaud that to some extent, except when it does as damage, right? And they've broken through that glass ceiling. And then they'll come to me and report the reality of not enjoying things once they get there. They struggle with a sense of accomplishment. Can you explain a little about what's going on when this happens? Sure. Women are supposed to put everybody else first, right? So how important is your accomplishment to anybody? You, This is your thinking, by the way, right? Because we tend to minimize our accomplishments. We don't celebrate our accomplishments. There's actually studies that speak to women don't celebrate their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And so you might feel, okay, I got to go climb another mountain, right? And it can just keep you climbing mountains, yet feeling the same way after you're done. Yeah. And I think also if we are climbing mountains, but in that hustle, overwork, overachieve mentality, we don't enjoy the journey. We're always going over the thing that's coming. We're always focused on what my coach refers to, the gap, not the gain. We're always focusing on the difference between where I am right now and where I think I should be. And that is a sense of loss. There's a sense of not enoughness. If we don't celebrate the journey, if we don't celebrate what we've already achieved, we live in that existence. And it I think it amplifies our need to overachieve and to do and do and do and people please because we don't live in that moment. What do you think we could be doing to let go of some of that? Well, first of all, it's admitting that you're doing it, right? Most of us don't want to have the awareness that, oh, I am doing that. A lot of us want to blame men. We want to blame the circumstances. But the truth is, it's up to you on what you're going to decide to do. And so the first thing is to notice what kind of resistance you have. What resistance, once you're aware, what is my resistance? And resistance to me is a physical feeling. I can literally feel like I have a wall inside of me that I can't move against. It's stopping me in my tracks. It's a feeling that affects my thoughts. And then I may get stuck right there. I might get depressed. I might fall down the rabbit hole. But it's to know what your resistance actually is to. Resistance sometimes is just to moving forth into an uncomfortable place because it's unfamiliar. 
And of course, if it's unfamiliar, that means you're changing something, which is good, by the way. But we often have resistance to that because, again, we associate change with loss. And so you want, and, and you want to take this in baby steps, by the way. It's never about overnight you're going to be able to change this trajectory, but you want to find that resistance. And once you feel it, and you know, there's exercises you can do to get in your body because your feelings do matter because they live in your body and they give you, they're like a, billboards. They really give you a sign, <laughs> right, of what's happening inside of you. And the more you can connect to yourself, you're going to know. I, like if I try to do something, let's say like a, my old workaholic ways, I can tell my whole body feels heavy and mm -hmm. I get irritable and I think, okay, and, and I won't do it. I won't, I don't. And you're talking to somebody who was a complete workaholic and I'm not a workaholic anymore. I'm still intellectually inspired, which is different, but I'm not a workaholic. So those are, you know, just a couple of steps. There's plenty more. Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful pointing out that we feel this in our body a lot. It sounds very woo-woo and my audience is techies. They're kind of like, woo, it's not our thing. But we really do feel resistance, fear. You're probably all aware of the fear thing. You feel sick in your stomach, right? And most of our emotions, because emotions come with a pump of some hormone or other, you feel that. <laughs> and so I think the more, if you're listening to this and thinking there's something you want to work on here, recognize when you're feeling something that you don't want to be feeling and look for the physical symptom, whether that is a tightness in your chest, a sickness in your stomach, a tension headache, heaviness, look for it. I had one client who used to get tingly toes. That's the first for me. It can be anything, right? You are a wonderful, unique human. Just look for that physical symptom. That is your window into understanding what is going on in your own body. And that is, as, as you put it, Tracy, that's the billboard. That is a beautiful thing for all of us. I love that phrase. I'm going to steal that phrase. It's the billboard. <laughs> it's your big, can't ignore it signpost for what's actually going on. I would love to wrap this conversation up with your top steps for helping women thrive at work, supporting each other, feeling more empowered so we can all break through that glass ceiling in a healthy way. What are your top steps for us women leaders? It's to be honest with yourself to begin with. Don't tell yourself stories or, you know, things that you think other people are thinking of you because to come together, you have to get past the stories you tell yourself about other women and your place in it. And so starting with that honesty, the second thing is to be honest with other women. Gee, I'm not used to reaching out and I really wanted to because I'm interested in meeting other women and this is uncomfortable for me. So just even simple statements like that sort of sets you free. Emotional freedom equals emotional intelligence, which I wanted to bring in because it's not woo-woo, it's emotional intelligence. Mm. And that to me is a key factor. So honesty and then the other thing is, what emotionally risky action can I take? Honesty might be an emotionally risky action for you. You might feel you're risking something. So anytime you feel you can take a risk, even a small baby one, do it. Because to me, that makes all the difference. Then you look back and you're like, look at me. The third thing is to be curious. You can be curious about, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay attention to myself. I'm going to watch myself do this. And I'm going to be curious about how I feel, let's say, in a group of women or whatever it happens to be. You know, whether it's a group of women, a new project, a new business, whatever. Watch how you feel and then allow yourself to just be where you are without struggling, without fighting, even if it's uncomfortable, just be there. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That is really, really beautiful. Such top tips. And I think I love that you called out there that it's not woo-woo. It's emotional intelligence. Spot on. Love it. Okay, let's move on to the quick fire round. Some of my favorite questions are in the quick fire round. (laughs) First question, actually my favorite question to ask every guest is, what is the worst piece of advice you have ever been given? Uh, the worst piece of advice I've ever been given is to just keep working on something that isn't working and not step away from it, right? Just stay in it. Don't lose focus. Just stick with it. Well, a lot of times you lose your creativity when you're doing that because, again, you're not doing it from a positive place. So you're usually doing it, you're, you're sweating bullets, and instead of looking for other options, you stick with something and maybe it turns out okay, but it probably could have turned out better had you taken a step away. That was like one of the worst things. And that was said to somebody who's a workaholic, by the way. So it was like, <laughs> work between midnight and six in the morning, you know? Wow. Oh my God. This is why I love this question because we laugh at that now. And yet when we were earlier in our career, some of the, some of the advice I've, I've heard people being given it is shell shocking to hear it at this point with my experience as a as a leader, as an executive, but also as a coach. And yet I know that if I'd heard that 20 years ago, I would have taken it to heart and I would have followed it. I think the more we can call that out, the better. So thank you for sharing that. Let's flip that around. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Trust yourself. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. Can we just say that to all little girls as well? Can we get out there and tell little kiddos, and particularly the girls, so we reverse some of their indoctrination. Uh, Trust yourself, ladies. Just just do it. What is the last book you read? The last book I read, I tend to read two or three books at once. One of them is, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? The Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart. She's a journalist and uh, it's about her studies on um, not just quantum physics, but on how we are all one consciousness, which is really interesting because it's literally, they are doing studies on it. But I read part of that. I read bits and pieces of books. I used to read them, you know, pick up a book, read it all the way through, but I just find what am I feeling compelled, you know, to pick up. Mm. So um, I'm doing a retreat next weekend and we're doing some exercises in that. And so, yeah, so I had picked it up for that reason. Oh, that's a, an interesting way to read as well. Like picking up, like, what do I feel interested in picking up a little bit? I'm like you, I have three books on the go at once. Um, I tend to have a couple of leadership books and then a fiction book, um, just because I can't not do. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last movie or TV show you watched or binge watched? So I'm going to disappoint you guys. I don't binge watch anything because I, I know, right? Um, you're, you're, you're the person I want to be. I just, I love binge watching things. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I I mean, I will watch things that put me to sleep, basically. So I might watch HGTV, Shark Tank. <laughs> Actually, lately I've been watching, uh, you know, old Shark Tanks and um, falling asleep to that pretty much. But I don't really watch that. My husband does. He's a He's a total binge watcher of Netflix and all the rest. So, yeah. Ah. Interesting. Okay. Mindset moment. At the end of every episode, I love to provide a mindset tip. So what is your favorite mindset tip to help women leaders today? I want you to understand that peak presence is important. And what peak presence is, is to be in your body, to be emotionally present, emotionally aware of what is happening right now, because you have all the tools you need when you're in the present moment. 
when you're outside of your body, meaning you're thinking out in the circumstances that are happening, you're often not um, able to access all the tools that you already have, meaning your inner wisdom, what you were born with, the knowledge you've accumulated over time. You're more relaxed when you have peak presence. I love that. Oh, another phrase I might have to steal. I've not heard that phrase before, but you're right. It's spot on. It epitomizes what we need to be doing, peak presence. Love it so much. This has been an amazing conversation. So I'd love for people to know how to find out more about you, connect with you, work with you. Can you share a little bit about how to find out more about what you do? Sure. You can just go to my website, Tracy with no E, Tracy Crossley. The Crossley has an E. It always throws people, (laughs) tracycrossley.com. And all of my social media is there. I have a couple of podcasts. I have one for individuals and then I have one on leadership as well. And um, my book is there. It gives you all the different um, options where you can purchase it. And yeah, basically anything you want to know, or you can Google me and I have articles and things all over the internet. Wonderful. Thank you. And we'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes. So if you're interested, head over to the show notes in your favorite podcast player and you can get all the details there, including I will make sure that we put a link to Tracy's book, The Power of Eight. Uh, the one that she's reading. In fact, we'll make sure the link to her book is in there too. But The Power of Eight, her recommended book, we'll make sure that's in there. Tracy, thank you once again. This has been amazing. What is your final thought you would like to share with the audience today? You want to bring the joy into what you do for a living. And every time you lose the joy, what you're doing is you're cutting yourself off from your greatest success. And I really believe that because it's meaningful when you are in joy to actually achieve something. Then you feel it. Then you're not climbing mountain after mountain looking for it. I love that. Bring the joy and make sure you feel it. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, listeners. I hope this has been a powerful episode for you. Remember, as always, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.